Warning, incoming game. Warning, incoming game. Welcome to Incoming Game, the podcast where we watch and rewatch the 90s animated series reboot. I'm Jessica, and I've been a fan for a long time. I'm Ben, and I'm watching this for the first time. Each week, we'll take an episode, dissect it, inject some trivia, and try to find our frostiest moments. This week, we have a mysterious rider on the storm in Web Riders on the Storm. <laughs> so how you doing, Jess? I'm doing pretty good. I'm uh, getting ready to head to the Finger Lakes for my sister's bachelorette party. Ooh. So it should be interesting. It's going to be a lot of wine and people I don't know. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a combination that can be uh, deadly. <laughs> yeah, we'll see how that goes. We'll see, this might be the last we hear from you. <laughs> if it is, think well of me. <laughs> how about your week, Ben? Uh, doing good. My uh, weeknights have started filling up with bowling league and pinball league. And uh, today I was frequenting some local antique shops, finding some interesting collectibles and things. Oh, fun. Yeah. I don't know. I never thought of myself as someone who would go antiquing. But, like, I don't know. I usually find some interesting, like, fascinating items, like whether they're old comic books or records or vintage toys or pinups, you know, whatever. <laughs> fun stuff. I saw you got that good score in bowling. Yeah. All right, do you want to get into the episode? Let's do this. I have thoughts. <laughs> All right. We are on season three, episode 11, Web Riders on the Storm. It first aired on October 29th, 1997. It was written by Len Wein. The story is by Gavin Blair, Christy Marks, Dan DiDio, Len Wein, Phil Mitchell, Ian Pearson, and Marv Wolfman. We get another awesome opening shot. Like, I love the look of this environment. It's almost like uh, mutating like asteroids and like weird colors, red and blue. Yeah, it definitely gives you that feeling right away of being alien. Like you, you don't belong here. You're somewhere, somewhere wrong. There's a cool guitar riff in the background as it like <laughs> as the ship pulls in. <laughs> Honestly, I, I get a kick out of the cool guitar riffs every time, and I'm wondering if they should just stick with that from now on. Just <laughs> put a cool guitar riff in it. It's like put a bird on it. <laughs> <laughs> So even though they were surrounding the ship at the end of the last episode, there's apparently no sign of these web riders when we open up. Yeah, I guess this is slightly before they want to attack. We get Matrix and Capacitor and Ray talking about their plans and what they're going to do next when they're interrupted with news that Andrea has taken a turn for the worse. Matrix, you better go see your lass. Yeah, Mr. Christopher arrives. He's like, oh, she's in a bad way. We should probably devote some screen time to her. As uh, Matrix heads down to see her, Bula shakes her head ominously as if Andrea's got the consumption or something. <laughs> Did you notice Tracer's goggles sometimes make him look like he has big, giant googly eyes? <laughs> no, but now that's all I'm going to see. <laughs> it's like, yeah, once I noticed that, I couldn't not. <laughs> Did you notice his no ears this time? Oh, I forgot. I forgot to you look. forgot to look for his no ears. Yeah. <laughs> So Matrix is pretty despondent, and he turns to Tracer, and he's like, So, why can't Mr. Helpful over here help a sister out? <laughs> what about you, Surfer? Isn't there anything you can do? And right here is trying to, you know, he thinks he's friends now with Matrix, and Matrix has forgiven him for being himself. Uh, but <laughs> no, the answer is no. Matrix is still always angry. It's back to slap fighting until Bula separates them. <laughs> She's like, come on, now not time measure dicks. <laughs> 
So right here tries to point the big green Hulk in someone else's direction by pointing out that the mysterious web writers are the ones he should really be mad at. Yeah. He leaves and Matrix owns up to his own responsibility in what happened. If only I hadn't been such a dick. I guess the guy I should really be mad at is my secret weapon. <laughs> so uh, meanwhile, Capacitor is shouting instructions to his crew, and Mr. Christopher wants to speak with him about the lack of profit this trip is making. We'll return to the net, poise, bit mice. And then I wondered if he's a Ferengi. Cap at this point yells, what, you think this red I'm wearing stands for capitalism? Seize the means of production, dagnabbit! <laughs> he informs that they'll, they'll be paid in friendship and they'll like it. <laughs> <laughs> and then Christopher's just like, I uh, can't pay for repairs with friendship, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> you don't think exposure is good enough? <laughs> <laughs> so Cap uses this moment to give an inspiring speech, but uh, Mr. Christopher is still a ones and zeros kind of guy. I don't think it quite works on him. <laughs> But how am I supposed to enter that into the ledger? And below decks, uh, Matrix has set up an IV to give Andrea a code transfusion, hoping to keep her stabilized as Tracer leads the ship back toward the storm. I'm actually really interested in this energy transfuser machine because it seems to be based a lot on the real blood transfusion machine where the blood goes into the machine, is moved around, and then back out again. So I thought it was cool that they, you know, it wasn't just a one-to-one kind of thing. They made this cool thing that they spent a lot of time on. <laughs> yeah, they do like an interesting um, like scene transition by placing the box over Christ- Mr. Christopher and then panning <laughs> out. So uh, up above deck, the surfer is heading into the storm to scout ahead while the mayor pauses to give him some time. But uh, he comes right back out again with a dozen or so web riders coming in hot after him. He's just like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, and <laughs> shouts at them to open the hatch for him. <laughs> when he's outside, though, they're looking at him, and he's like, they just see him mouthing to himself silently. And it's like he's got headphones on and is like miming, singing along to a song. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think he's trying to say he wants chicken for dinner. <laughs> with a soda on the side? <laughs> He morphs into his surfboard and is going in so fast that he flies into the airlock, knocking himself out in the process. So this shot kind of makes you do the math on your own because you don't actually see it happen. You just see this shape jutting out of the wall and the binomes rubbing his head and you just kind of have to put two and two together. I think it's a pretty easy two and two to put together. I mean, it's a surfboard shaped dent in the the hole. But for a physical gag, it just happens off screen and then you're just like, oh, here's the result. (laughs) Yeah, they don't see the surfboard shaped dent being made. And it's now it's a true battle. The captain gives the order to fire and the writers return in kind. And the capacitor here goes a little mad and it's fantastic. This was one of my favorite scenes where he just goes insane laughing. <laughs> <laughs> it was really, really good. His like little eyeball gets all tiny. So Bula tells Matrix to stay and keep doing the transfusion while she goes off to fight, but then does this really awkward gag where she bumps her head on the doorframe and it just doesn't work. It's like a little too slow and the animation doesn't sell it. It's like another season one chair gag. I almost felt like it would have been a little bit better if she bumped it, got upset, and then kind of like just burst through it. Right. So that was interesting that they chose instead that she was going to be delicate and sly. But yeah, the timing <laughs> probably could have been a little bit better on that. <laughs> But the uh, the ship is taking heavy fire from the web creatures, and Capacitor has a great line telling Christopher if he wouldn't mind extending an invitation to our friend Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> like, the delivery on that is superb. <laughs> I have 
Perhaps you could go down and extend an invitation to Mr. Matrix to join our little soiree. Capacitor has uh, some some ranks in passive aggressiveness here. <laughs> yeah. And then you follow that up with the ship getting hit and Mr. Christopher tumbles down the stairs in a bit of physical comedy that actually does work. He just like rolls into frame, but it's such a funny moment. <laughs> that was a really good one. Uh, one of the writers manages to splice along the hole with a saber that he's using. And uh, a gunner gets a direct hit, but the wind is short-lived as the saber guy comes in and damages the gun, giving the gunner a shock in the process. I really loved the pretty obvious Millennium Falcon moment that was going on here. (laughs) So at this point, Tracer rematerializes and looks over to the captain. Everything's fuzzy and moving in slow motion, but then we realize that that's his Matrix POV as he's heading back upstairs with low blood sugar. Did Bula not leave cookies and juice out for him? You stole my joke again! Ah, oh, damn it. <laughs> there are only so many jokes about blood donation, Ben. <laughs> so he slowly makes his way up to the top of the ship covering and sticks his gun right through it with this gross green goo that we get to see covering it. Yeah, what was happening here? Was he, like, pushing his gun through a rotting corpse? Yeah, that's what the ship's covered in. Okay. <laughs> The ship is literally covered in rotting corpse right now. And so he tells it basically to acquire all possible targets. And so everyone out there gets a crosshair attached to them, which is convenient. Uh, He then fires and we get to see a few of them wiped off, including one that is floating in space, bleeding out of the bullet hole in his head. In case you didn't know, (laughs) (laughs) standards of practice is no longer allowed on this show. So uh, surveying the damage, one of the remaining riders tells the rest to fall back and heads back to the storm. The uh, crew of the mayor yell out in victory, but it may be a little bit too soon. Right. Uh, Matrix is speculating uh, whether or not Bob had ever encountered these creatures, and just then, the original monsters that attacked Andrea last week come back. They're being led along cowboy style by the remains of the riders. They're, you know, shooting their guns in the air. Get along, little doggy. <laughs> As they're heading towards the ship, uh, the ship tries to take evasive actions, but they're too slow. And a few of them slam into the ship and appear to break apart as they do. There's like chunks of tooth and bone that fly off of them. I think that's the chunk of tooth and bone from this ship. That wasn't clear to me. I rewound it a couple of times and it looked like the creatures that smash into it break apart. Oh, maybe they did. They are being led in a kind of stampede, so yeah, that's, you know, a pretty vicious thing. Uh, so the whole tears here. Uh, one of the crew goes flying out as if sucked into space. Matrix manages to save another one, but that's when we notice that the riders have actually boarded the ship. One of them leaps up and everyone prepares for battle. All hands prepare to repel borders! Binomes are getting yanked around. Tracer smacks a creature in the head with his board. Matrix starts getting choked with a tentacle and says, Harder, Daddy. (laughs) We get to see a few of the writers figured out Ray's secret and start attacking the board instead of Ray. Uh, We get this moment where Matrix looks down on him from afar and Ray's like, No, don't save me. And Matrix is like, I wasn't planning on it. Yeah, he sees he sees Tracer fall to the ground and just sneers at him in disgust. As if he didn't just say harder, daddy. Matrix instead decides to punch the guy that's attacking the captain. He manages to knock his helmet straight off. And this is where we get to see who's behind these masks. And, oh, my grandma, what big teeth you have. By God, they be degraded sprites. 
Yeah, so it's revealed that they are in fact degraded by gnomes. But when I say that, I mean it's revealed to everyone but us. We kind of have to take Gavin's word for it that it's what they are. Because it still just looks like a monster. Yeah, they don't look too much different with their masks off than with their masks on. I do like, though, that Capacitor says, Ew, gross. And the writer's just like, <laughs> Nuh-uh, you're gross. <laughs> and then punches Matrix straight in the face. <laughs> and with that, the soundtrack goes silent as it looks like game over for our heroes. Yeah, we get some a uh, little bit of slow motion, darkly lit violence as the end has come. And what looks like their leader comes through the tear, mending it behind him. Yeah, it's a humanoid riding a mainframe brand hoverboard who tells them in their dial-up language to stand down. These are his friends. And I'm wondering, who could this be? Who could this possibly be? Is it the Predator? I mean, it's got to be the Predator, what with the dreads, right? Yeah, the writer comes straight up to Capacitor and Matrix, pulls out his hand to say, Better there, pal. <laughs> but instead of us getting a super secret handshake, Glitch flies right to him. Uh, at this point, it's obvious that Matrix knows who's behind the mask, but he's not telling. <laughs> Mr. Christopher crawls upstairs and tells them that he's all out of blood for Andrea. It's Andrea. Please, somebody help her. I can give no more. <laughs> so, uh, Predabob heads down to see what he can do. And of course we know it's Bob because Frisket is just super happy to see him. <laughs> he's practically licking his face. I do love the moment where he's just like, oh, hi, Frisket. And Frisket gets this moment of confusion like, huh? Oh, it's Bob. Better growl again. <laughs> <laughs> and he attaches the IV to himself, restoring Andrea, and then reveals his icon, initiating a code transfer to hers. And she wakes up and immediately knows who it is. She's just like, oh, hey, it's Bob. Oh, Bob. We found you. <laughs> well, I was thinking about that. Because <laughs> it was a little weird. But I figure with the code transfer, it's probably just like, Bob is getting you some code. In case you can't tell, this is Bob's code. <laughs> he then dramatically removes his helmet and everyone gasps because he went and got a bunch of face and neck tattoos. How are you supposed to apply for jobs now, Bob? Who's going to hire you? <laughs> Matrix goes towards him, but Bob stops him just in case he has tackling on his mind, as he's a little too big for that now. And they all laugh as we fade to black. Reboot. So, you had some thoughts on this episode, Ben. I do. Um, I mostly liked it. I really liked a lot of this episode. Let's Let's get the good stuff out of the way first. So, the visuals? Gorgeous. I really enjoyed the look of the environments and the character modeling that went into this one, especially that opening shot. Like, that all looked awesome. And I thought the story was good and interesting, too. I didn't have too many problems with character motivation or anything like that. But that ending scene fell so flat for me. Really? <laughs> yeah. Like, Bob turns to camera with these, like, dead eyes, and he's like, you just can't talk in these things. And then Enzo deadpan shouts, Bob! And I guess goes to tackle him, but it doesn't really read, and his face barely emotes. And Bob stops him with his, hey, I think you're too old for that now. Which all sounds fine on paper, but the way they animated it just doesn't work at all. It should have been a really powerful and emotional moment, but it just felt like these lifeless mannequins talking awkwardly to each other. Like, the acting just wasn't there. Like, it felt completely drained of emotion. I don't know. I think the last scene worked really well for me, personally. I, I thought it was interesting that, you know, Matrix has figured this out already. Friskin has figured this out already. And I mean, anyone who is an adult has figured this out already. So they're not necessarily trying to give you a reveal when he takes off his mask. I mean, capacitors kind of like, oh, gasp, it's Bob. 
it's more the reveal of who he is now. Like he's got the whole like funky silver hair and scars now. But it wasn't even the reveal that bothered me. It was just their interaction afterward. Like oh, I thought that was sweet. <laughs> other than that, like the animation was great. Like Capacitor and Mr. Christopher had some really amazing and expressive acting in some of their scenes, and even Enzo had some good facial acting. But it just. I know, it felt like it kind of shit the bed right at the end. Like, that last interaction just was so lifeless. Well, we're going to have to just agree to disagree on that one. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, some of the other humorous moments tended to fall flat for me, too. Like, Bula hitting her head or the surfboard dent hitting the binome. Like, I don't know if it was the timing or the acting. Like, and I feel like I'm criticizing it more than I should because I liked a lot of the episode. It's just some of the choices kind of hampered the intended impact in a way that I wish they didn't. Well, overall, I thought... For me, I really enjoyed the episode and I got a lot out of, I think, that last scene with Bob and Enzo. And it could just be a little bit of, you know, nostalgia coming in there or, you know, emotion about Bob's finally returning. So I I think all of that is definitely there. Uh, But I, I really enjoyed those moments there at the end. And I really enjoyed the moments again with with Matrix when he's being vulnerable with Andrea. This is all my fault. If I hadn't been so jealous, I would have been there to protect you. Now I could lose you forever. Granted, he's only vulnerable when it's with Andrea when they're the only ones in the room. <laughs> and she's <laughs> unconscious. Uh, <laughs> but it still gets to me. I really enjoyed the the whole build-up, too. The fight with the Reb Riders was really good. And I'm fairly certain they don't resolve any of this in the next episode. But I mean, they did murder a bunch of these people. Uh, Maybe murder is not the right word. They were attacking, you know. (laughs) That was a question I had is like why Bob is with these like group that's like wantonly destroying these guys. (laughs) And like. So I think there's something and maybe next episode they will talk about it a little bit. I think there's something with the idea of, you know, they were going after this pod of web creatures that it seems like the web writers are kind of cowboys too. So it's almost as if you're going after their herd in a way. So there is something there to, I think, like defending themselves. But both sides go all out. Like both sides go straight for the murder. So (laughs) at what point was Bob with them is what I'm wondering, because if they're all shooting each other and stuff and like Bob finally is like, oh, wait, these guys are my friends. But like he kind of appeared near the end. Like, so was he with them fighting alongside them the whole time or did he just kind of swoop in at the end to like save them? Yeah, I'm not sure. Like, I think we'd like to think that Bob was back at Web Town. And heard that there was a scuffle going on and ran out to be all guardian-y. 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 But it's very possible he was also trying to defend the herd from people who were poaching. And then it wasn't until he got inside. It was like, oh, crap, I know these guys. Alphanumeric. So, uh, Jessica, what kind of trivia do you have this week? Uh, This one is real low on trivia. (laughs) (laughs) This one is a very straight shot, very action-packed, not a lot of room for extras. Uh, we did get the moment where we saw, it was a very Star Warsian moment, where someone in a very Millennium Falcon-esque gunner ship <laughs> was firing out and manages to get a hit. We saw Feathers McGraw making another reappearance, hiding behind one of the bulwarks as the uh, covering of the ship opened up. And then we finally get the, you just can't talk of these things. Bob is quoting himself here from Nullzilla. He first said it back when he had his Power Rangers outfit on and had to take his mask off. But he's also, in a way, quoting Enzo, who uh, said this in Game Over when he was playing Scorpion. 
and that's all we've got for today. <laughs> These episodes are getting slimmer because they're they're really cutting down to the to the bone here. And uh, speaking of slimmer, though, we we don't have a game yet again this week. So uh, I actually looked up uh, what actually happened on the day this aired, and so I looked up this day in history, and apparently. On October 29th, 1997 is a famous day in history because it's the day that Anton LaVey, the American founder of the Church of Satan, died at the age of 67. (laughs) And that's all the trivia for that day. (laughs) Are you sure you don't mean the Church of Satan? (laughs) Finish him. (laughs) I know Matrix was very happy to hear that news when he saw it. He's like, Satan died? Oh, yeah. That guy totally deserved it. This is wrong. This is all wrong. So Jessica, each week, one of the one of the segments we still have is that we each like to award the golden pigtail to our frostiest moments. Uh, what do you have this week? So uh, I've got a couple of runners up. One is not quite a frosty moment, but just something I noticed, which is that I don't know if they've been making capacitors slightly larger as you go along with the series. <laughs> uh, there's a scene with Capacitor Ray and Matrix all standing around. And Capacitor is massive. <laughs> the binoms are always shown to be this like rather petite characters. And Capacitor, I mean, he's got the giant hat on, but he is easily coming up to Ray's height with the hat. And he has to lean over as Mr. Christopher stands on tippy toes to whisper in his ears. I was just like, what is going on? Was he always this big? My real runner-up is Capacitor yelling, you scurvy sea drives, which for some reason really got me. (laughs) Uh, The winner, though, and I think that this might also be on your list, is going to have to be Capacitor's maniacal laugh. Yes. It's so amazing. (laughs) It's so good. Oh man, that's a daily double. Capacitor really killed it for me this whole time. Like the the maniacal laugh. There was the part where he like you know passive aggressively asks Christopher to get Matrix up there to fight. Um, and then my runner up would be when Mister Christopher like falls down the stairs and rolls into frame. That's my other. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good moment. So did you want to get into the feedback today? Yeah, I don't think we have much feedback this week either. Come on, guys. You gotta visit the Twitter and Facebook accounts so we can talk to you. We're hurting for content this week. Kimora at Wackamagoose says, If net tech, like gun, would degrade in the web, then how is it that zip board fully intact? The pirates had their own boards, but that's a standard mainframe model. Hashtag nitpicking. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, honestly, I think the only reason the zip board is a thing is for that moment, the close watchers to go, it's Bob. <laughs> like, I think that's, that's it. I think it's the only reason it's still there. I think you're completely right that it should have degraded. It is only there for plot purposes. Mm-hmm. And we didn't really talk about the fact that uh, Bob uh, both looks and sounds different than his uh, original appearance. Yeah. Bob is now degraded. Now... I don't know if this is maybe he found the web writers really shortly after entering the web and they put a helmet on him right away, or it takes a lot of time to degrade. But I mean, he's looking pretty good compared to Toothy McToothface over there. (laughs) Got an email from a guy named Carl 
says that uh, he's been meaning to send a message to say hi for a while. He's been listening since the start. Uh, he never watched the show when it was on, but his friend Paul got him into it back in the 90s and later discovered the IMAX reboot ride at Circus Circus while visiting Las Vegas. So thanks, Carl. Thanks for reaching out. Yeah, and uh, it's awesome that you actually got a chance to ride the ride. <laughs> he also says he's looking forward to some of the later episodes. He has mixed feelings. So uh, Nolan Hayes uh, at It's My DeLorean on Twitter is trying to get back to his deeper questions here and asks the it gets better argument that naturally arises from media that grows with its audience. It makes it hard for fans to get friends to watch their shows and presents a time commitment for those friends. What do you think of it gets better? So this is interesting question to me because I have, I'm of two minds. (laughs) So like if I am intrigued by a show from the start, like I will sit through a rough patch, like you know, and wait for it to get good. But I have to, it has to have its own merits from the beginning. Mm-hmm. So like if I'm not interested at all, you know, from the get go, then I'm not gonna sit through three bad seasons for it to get finally get good. We'll go back to Star Trek. Like I'll sit through what are generally considered to be terrible episodes or bad seasons of Star Trek because I enjoy it. But like I never made it past the pilot episode of BoJack Horseman. I've never gone back to it. Oh, BoJack is so good, Ben. And, and right, everybody <laughs> says that. It's not even that it gets better, it's just good. <laughs> right, no, and that's the thing. But, like, I could not get through that first episode, and I never went back to it. And, so that's and, like, yeah. and as much as people say, oh, it's amazing, great. Well, there's tons of excellent shows that I've just never bothered to start. You know, like, I've never watched Breaking Bad. I've never watched The Sopranos. You know, there's there's so many things, you know. Yeah, there's a lot of amazing media out there, and we unfortunately only live about 80 years and half of it's sleeping, <laughs> so uh, we're not going to get to all of it. And I think that's understandable. Definitely, there's that idea that you, you start a show and you kind of grow with it, and you know, it, like, as with this one, you know, in the beginning of the first season, I'm telling you it gets better, it gets better, because I watched it years ago, and I know that it gets better. Mm-hmm. So there's that experience of me trying to tell you that, but I completely understand when someone doesn't want to go through that. There, there are definitely times where I don't want to go through that. People have recommended stuff to me that I'm just like, I don't just have the time. Like, I don't want to sit and do that. And I, I understand that it probably gets good at some point, or it, it might be up my alley at some point, but it's, you know, it's time investment. Yeah. And I think it's, if there's a difference between like, if it starts out good and then gets better, that's one thing. But yeah, like if you're having to slog through season after season of just trash, it's like, oh no, but trust me, it gets really good. Well, I'm not going to stick around for that, you know? And, you know, I think there's a couple of times where I've been willing to slog through some stuff for the sake of, you know, general fandom. So for instance, not to knock anyone's favorite shows or anything, but uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm-hmm. I'm a Marvel fan. I love the movies. I love the wider universe. So... I really wanted to enjoy the show because it was part of that Marvel universe and to Mm -hmm. see that like larger story that was happening. So I watched a lot of episodes (laughs) with the promise (laughs) that it will get better and was not at all impressed at any point that it got better. (laughs) (laughs) So there was a, there was a point where I ended up just saying, no, like I can't do this anymore. I'm not devoting my time to something that maybe in another season or another season, it'll hit the stride that I'm hoping for. But you know, when you recommend something to your friends, you just got to understand that their lives are different and they may or may not be interested in the thing you're interested in. So a lot of times (laughs) when I recommend stuff to my friends, I will recommend it fanatically for the first like, week or two that i've started to watch it or have gotten into it and i'll be like no seriously watch this oh man this one part was really great you really like this guys but then after that i just you know i i curve off and see like if they want to watch it they'll watch it 
If they don't, they don't. There's nothing I can do about it. Now, what about recommending somebody watching it, but only starting at the good stuff? Like, you know, say, okay, well, watch this show, but don't bother with seasons one through two. I've done that to before. I've, I tell people if they're going to start Parks and Rec to start from season two. It's funny, because season one only has six episodes, so that would be easy to get through. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's not a lot. <laughs> it, and it will depend, obviously. Parks and Rec is a sitcom, so starting yeah. six episodes in is not going to break you. Right, no. So if I, if I were going to show someone, for instance, Reboot from the beginning, and we weren't doing a podcast, right? I might instead start with Bad Bob. <laughs> uh, thank you for everyone who listens and everyone who uh, gives feedback or hits us up on Twitter, Facebook, or Patreon. Uh, we really appreciate it. We really love hearing from you guys. Speaking of Patreon, we have a new backer, Dan Bongert. Oh, thank you, Dan. Yeah, and we are now one backer away from having to review the PlayStation video game. I know you already bought the game, but that doesn't mean we're releasing an episode. <laughs> I'll hold uh, that hostage. <laughs> thank you, Dan, and thank you again to all of our patrons. We really appreciate it. Yeah, especially since I had to renew my web hosting. Man, that got expensive quickly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, but the donations definitely help towards that, so appreciate it. I think it's time to make this voyage unprofitable. So uh, anything you want to recommend this week? Uh, yeah, so... um. I'm still listening to the one podcast that I've been listening to for a while, catching up on Backlog. So I've decided to recommend something old. I was going through my library recently and pulling out some of my older books. And Sabriel by Garth Nix is one of my all-time favorite YA books ever. It was one of the first like real YA books that I read back in the day. Um, when I was actually a young adult, uh, <laughs> <laughs> about a young girl who is a necromancer and she gets sword and she gets a talking cat and she gets bells that raise the dead. So uh, <laughs> it's pretty great. Uh, it's kind of a trilogy. So there's Sabriel, Liriel and Abhorson. Uh but Sabriel kind of stands by itself as well. Uh, they're great books. Definitely worth a read. If you listen to the audiobooks, Tim Curry does the voice, which is kind of weird because it's a female main character, but it's Tim Curry. <laughs> so they're pretty popular. So a lot of people, I'm sure, have already read them. But if you haven't read them, uh, I think you should give them a try. They're, they're really good stuff. So, Ben, do you have anything you'd like to recommend tonight? Yeah. So I had a lot of fun with this. Um, there is a company called the Mysterious Package Company. And they have a lot of little mysterious packages that you can sign up for. And there's various genres. I think some are horror, some are sci-fi. They kind of run the gamut. Uh, But one that I particularly enjoyed was a tie-in with the Adventure Zone. And it is called uh, Taco's Correspondence School of Wizardry, Cantrips, and Other Magics. So it's a uh, two-box experience. Uh, The first one contains a lot of different puzzles and... um, fun little things you actually get to talk with taco the wizard through your phone or through a digital stone of far speech (laughs) and uh at the end you get like a reward it's a little artifact that you can put on your shelf and collect it's a it's a whole lot of fun and i really recommend both that particular experience and the company as a whole in general it's had some pretty good times with that a couple years ago i bought one for my wife it was called risen which i don't see on their website anymore it was a pretty good one but uh that was less puzzles to solve and that was just more kind of interesting letters and like there was a little bit of a mystery involved but wasn't like a conclusive thing that you could actually like figure out which was kind of a letdown but you did get a cool little artifact at the end so that was fun you need the puzzles though puzzles yeah well that's why i'm recommending the taco one because it's actually legit like solvable puzzles nice all right so uh we have another kind of short episode today just because 
as I mentioned, the episodes are getting very straight to the point here. Um, I think we're going to be able to talk a little bit more as we make our way back to mainframe. So uh, speaking of, next week, uh, we have season three, episode 12, Mousetrap. Mousetrap. I wonder if that could be referring to someone interesting. (laughs) I don't know. I've kind of forgotten about everybody. I don't think they still exist anymore. (laughs) And with that, (laughs) you can always join the conversation at Incoming Game Cast on Facebook, Incoming Game Pod on Twitter, and IncomingGameCast.com. And you can follow me at Dudworks, D-U-D-W-O-R-K-S, or Dudworks Art sometimes. You can follow me at Stermino Lady, that's S-T-I-R-V-I-N-O Lady. Our theme music is Spasmatica Polka by Kevin McLeod. Oh no, Ben! They're swarming in! They're attacking from all sides! Alright, mania stations, battle stations, everyone! Ah! <laughs> Oh no, he's gone crazy. Stay frosty, folks. Oh, I think my pupil is stuck this tiny. <laughs> Game over. User wins.